0: Welcome to I Thought I'd Be Rich By Now, the podcast for millennial women to obsess. I'm your host, Deborah. If you're enjoying this little podcast, please rate and review wherever you listen. This helps me out so much and helps others to find the podcast. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at I Thought I'd Be Rich By Now. Where I live, it's so cold right now and it just keeps snowing. It's so pretty out when it does snow. But then after 24 hours, I'm over it. I just want it to go, like, right now. It's just a symbol to me that spring is still so far away. I've been lying to myself a lot lately and saying to other people, like, spring is just around the corner. January was done so quickly, and now February will be. It's a lie. Um, I just am missing the warmth. I want it to be warm enough to go for a walk outside, but Mother Nature just keeps reminding me that I live in Canada, so here we are. It's really hard following people on Instagram who live in Malibu or Miami. It's just like a non-stop assault on my eyes. I think it should be illegal during lockdown when people can't travel for anyone to post beautiful pictures of themselves on a beach. But on a serious note... If Instagram or any social media type place, like people are posting pictures that you're genuinely jealous of, not just like you wanna be in the warmth, I am very much a big believer now in curating your social media for your mental health. I regularly log out of all social media, like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If anything is stressing me out or if people's posts are giving me anxiety, I just log out or I unfollow people all the time. It's like, you don't owe you know, anyone, but especially like celebrities and famous people, you don't owe them your follows. If it's not making you feel good about yourself, just unfollow your, you know, curate your social media to your liking. So it's the easiest thing to do. Log out, unfollow, you're completely in the driver's seat there. So how are your new year's resolutions going? Don't let that question throw you into a tailspin of anxiety. I know that I've felt like that in the past when people bring up nearest resolutions, like in February, March, when I've already fallen off. I am certainly not on a perfect track, and I never am, but I am trying a little bit every day. As I said in a previous episode, I decided to do the Yoga with Adrian's 30 day journey again this year. Adrian, who is YouTube's most famous yogi, puts out a new yoga video every day for 30 days in January so that you have your own in-house yoga class. I feel so accomplished just staying disciplined enough to do this. If you enjoy doing yoga or if you've ever wanted to do yoga, start with Yoga With Adrian. Her videos are free. They're accessible to anyone. There will be for sure moves that are going to be too difficult for you to do from time to time, and that's totally okay. That happens to me all the time. I am the most amateur of amateurs. You just do your version. I really like this series um, from this past January called Move, and I loved her January 2021 series called Breath. I think Breath will always have a special place in my heart because that's the first time I chose to and accomplished my goal of practicing yoga so the videos from the breath series were particularly impactful in my life because they kind of gave me this satisfaction of being able to say i've cultivated a little bit more discipline in my life and also a real love and appreciation of my body and moving it daily and why that's so important we can all myself included be so critical of ourselves and feel like we really are wanting and you know and trying to attain something different but it was really nice to appreciate how strong I am and how much I grew just in 30 days from the start when you know I had barely done yoga before so yeah I would really recommend yoga with Adrian for anyone that's interested in doing yoga no matter what level you're at this is your entertainment news segment but news is used very loosely as this is just about my feelings. I don't know about you, but I was not mentally prepared for Rihanna being pregnant. When I saw those pictures of her and ASAP Rocky out in the street with her pregnant belly as I was scrolling on social media, I stopped briefly, I looked at it, I took a breath, and kept scrolling. I was like, I'm going to circle back with you, Riri, when I can handle this news. Of course, I'm so happy for Rihanna and ASAP Rocky. Um, Rihanna is one of the all-time greats, but I just wasn't expecting it. And my readiness for Rihanna becoming a mother is, of course, the most important part of this story. And I just was not mentally there yet. But the most selfish thought came to mind when I saw that Rihanna is pregnant. I'm like, we're not getting an album for like another three to four years. Rihanna released anti one of my favorite albums ever back in 2016. A massive regret of mine is not making it a priority to get to her concert for that album tour. Rihanna's fans have been harassing her now for years for new music. And she just keeps trolling us, saying things like she's in the studio and that music will be coming soon. It's been six years, but who's counting? Rihanna and George R.R. R. Martin are a part of the same club. They are both in their own magical timeline and world and their fans are just going to have to be grateful if the new release ever comes within their lifetime. The first novel that I've read for 2022 is The Keeper of Lost Causes by UC Adler Olsen. I listened to this audiobook and it was narrated by Eric Davies, who I thought did a great job. The book is set in Copenhagen, Denmark and follows Detective Carl Mork, a homicide detective. He's coming back to work after being shot in an attack against him and his two partners, leaving one of the detectives dead and the other badly injured. Carl blames himself for not reacting quicker and has a lot of guilt. This is a Danish book, as you might be able to tell since it's set in Denmark. Something I noticed pretty early on is the difference between Carl Mark versus a lot of other detectives in American media. So for instance, in a lot of murder, mystery, thriller type of books and shows, You have this grizzled man who has seen some horrible things and experienced a lot of death and darkness. He's gone through a personal trauma. He's probably divorced and he still pines after the love he's lost. But his nagging wife couldn't compete with his passion for crime solving. Why couldn't she just be happy raising the kids on her own? Or maybe she was brutally murdered or died in another tragic way and her memory haunts him. No matter how old he is, he walks into a room and women can't resist him, particularly women half his age. There's something so magnetic about this damaged man, and you're just automatically drawn to him if you're a warm-blooded woman, especially if you're a big-breasted bombshell. Whereas in this book, Detective Karl Mork is just a total asshole, and his female co-workers think he's a creep and his stepson treats him like crap. That actually made me love him and the author more. At least, you see Adler Olson created a character that is possibly a lot more true to life. Everyone wants to be nice to the cop that was shot, but Karl Mark is not the easiest person to work with, and most officers want nothing to do with him. Instead of getting back to his normal job, they sign him as the sole detective in a new faction of the police force called Department Q. This department is supposed to be in charge of working cold cases, and conveniently for his co workers, Department Q's office just happens to be in the basement, far from everyone else. His first case is that of a young politician who disappeared years ago, and her mentally disabled brother, who's nonverbal, was the last person to see her on a ferry they were both riding at the time. There was some speculation that he may have pushed her overboard, but those who knew her brother said that was impossible. Either way, Carl is going to work the seemingly impossible case since he really has nothing else to do. As literally the only employee of Department Q, Carl insists that they hire him an assistant, and that's where Assad comes in. Assad is a Syrian immigrant assigned to work with Carl to do tasks like cleaning and filing, Carl never expects to get a non-detective who actually has pretty good instincts when it comes to investigative work. Even though Carl's superiors stress the importance of discretion and remind him that he legally cannot share details of the case with Assad because Assad is not deputized, Carl pretty much ignores them and treats Assad as somewhat of a partner. I feel like I say this with most audiobooks, but I binge this book so quickly. I stayed up on a Friday night, I think until 1am to finish listening to this. I can't be doing nothing while I'm listening to an audiobook. So I was in bed coloring and it just helped me stay focused so that I could actually get to the end of the book without falling asleep because I was so tired, but I really had to know what happened. There was a revelation that at first I thought, okay, I kind of saw that coming but it actually didn't make the rest of the book less enjoyable and I kind of thought it would. I was, spec- I was expecting that detail to kind of turn me off, but it didn't and I'm so happy about that because this book was such a good thriller to listen to. As per usual, I found out about this book by searching online. I'm always searching like what are the best thrillers out there and sometimes I'll just search specifically like what are the best thrillers to listen to. So I believe this book was originally published in Denmark in 2007 but then came out in English in 2011 and there are apparently 8 novels in the Department Q series which I have every intention of reading and or listening to. I previewed the audio version of the second book and I was so upset. There's another voice actor narrating this book and I'm sure he's great. It's nothing about him. I just got so used to Eric Davies' voice in this first one and it kind of put me off on listening to the second one right away. So I'm actually listening to a completely different thriller right now. I don't know why they would do that. Like you, when, if it's a series of books, you would think they would have the same voice actor for all of them, but who knows? Anyways, I'm definitely going to one day, listen to the other seven books in this series. I really like the actress Kat Dennings in Thor and Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist and she's the star of Dollface. Dollface is a Hulu show that premiered in late 2019 and you can watch the first season of it on Crave in Canada. The second season of Dollface just premiered, which I will be watching soon. Dollface is a little show that I think deserves to be much bigger. I really, really liked it. It stars Kat Dennings, Brenda Song, Shay Mitchell, and Esther Povitsky. The story follows Kat Dennings' character Jules. Jules did that thing that some of us are guilty of. She dropped her friends for her boyfriend. Now, three years later, her long-term boyfriend is a douche and he dumped her and what do you know Jules realizes why maintaining strong female friendships is important no matter what your romantic status is. We see Jules attempting to reconnect with her friends from the past. Her former best friend Madison played by Brenda Song is skeptical of her fair weather friend but deep down she has missed Jules and is happy to have her back in her life. Madison has always prioritized her female friendships and is cautiously allowing Jules back into the fold, but Jules has a lot to learn. She's socially awkward and is dealing with heartache, and she's just not sure that she's equipped to be a good friend. Shay Mitchell plays the glamorous and mysterious friend Stella, who has traveled the world, gets invited to the most exclusive events, and all things just happen to work out for her because she's her esther Povitsky, i hope i'm pronouncing her last name correctly plays izzy aka other allison b she is the funniest part of the show in my opinion she plays the weird co-worker turned friend a girl who's down for all things and just wants to be part of the group these four actresses really have amazing chemistry i loved watching this show it was such a nice palette cleanser after watching so many crime shows and dramas. It felt cathartic to watch a show that is centered on women's friendships. Of course, there's romance and dating, but the show always kept these friends as the core. Malin Ackerman, which a lot of you all know from Billions, is a great supporting actress as she plays Jules's boss at their goop-like wellness company called The Womb. She nails a part of Celeste, the wealthy, ethereal, California-dwelling, yoga-practicing, crystal-wearing businesswoman. I really liked her in the role, and I hope she's in Season 2. I'm not sure if she is. When I started seeing the online promo for Season 2, it made me want to re-watch Dollface Season 1 because I remember how fun it was the first time around. So that's exactly what I did. I watched the first season over again and I'm happy that I had forgotten so much, which is always nice for a rewatch. I'm a huge believer in the rewatch. You're not interested in any of the new shows out right now? Go back to your old faithful. Those characters, those storylines that you love, they'll always be there for you streaming forever and ever and ever. (laughs) I love the fact that I'm always so timely. I've got my finger on the pulse of the culture at all times, and that's why I'm watching Dexter. Oh, am I watching the reboot of Dexter that just came out in 2021, eight years after the show ended? No, I'm watching Dexter from season one, the show that premiered in 2006. I assume that everyone knows the premise for Dexter, but if you don't know, it's a show about a serial killer named Dexter, who kills other serial killers. So it's a win-win, no? Dexter works for the Miami Metro Police doing blood pattern analysis because naturally a serial killer like himself loves gore and is good at this type of work because he partakes in this outside of his work hours. Dexter goes about his days pretending to be a normal person who has regular people emotions and urges, but in reality, he doesn't feel much, other than the urge to kill and the desire never to be caught. I remember when Dexter ended years ago, and everyone hated the final season and the finale. It was like the original Game of Thrones finale. There was so much hate for Dexter at the time, so I'm actually kind of excited to see what everyone was freaking out over, but at this moment, I'm still in season one. I remember some parts of it, as I'd seen a few episodes here and there back in the day when it originally came out but for the most part it's all new to me there is something so nostalgic for me watching shows from that era you know from my early early 20s it reminds me how i feel when i watch old school veronica mars it's the era of flip phones ugg boots trucker hats and translucent sunglasses all the women have super thin eyebrows and little did they know that less than 10 years later, they'd all be trying every trick in the book to regrow their previously thick eyebrows. I didn't know if I could keep watching Dexter, though, especially in the first couple of episodes. The director was loving the super close-up shots of body parts cut up. It was making me feel sick. Yes, am I a big baby? For sure. I looked away at those parts, but I'm glad I pushed through. Michael C. Hall is so good at playing a weird, creepy, but hot serial killer. I'm really questioning myself because why am I rooting for him? Okay, it makes it much easier because the people he's killing are killing others, but still, I don't like how I feel. I don't like that he's hot. People are always like, I don't understand those women that become obsessed with serial killers and write to them in prison, and then here we are cheering for Dexter. Dexter originally aired on Showtime and is available to watch on Crave or to rent on Apple TV, amongst other places. So enjoy. I feel so hypocritical, but I have not been listening to many new podcasts recently. I'm still listening to season one of Dr. Death. I know everyone's already listened to it. It's really good, it's really interesting. But I'm right at the end, they're taking down the bad guy, and I feel like I'm going to have to power through it. Because I have zero desire to finish it. It's not their fault, the people that made the podcast. That's just how I am. I just finished another audiobook that I was very into, and then at the end, when the killer was revealed, I immediately lost interest. Like, there was 15 minutes left, and I didn't even want to finish it. I have a book here called Stillhouse Lake that I read last summer when I was camping. It was a fun read and I have a few pages left because I got to a point where all or most of the mystery was revealed and I was like, okay, I'll get to this later and I just never went back. I have to ask myself, am I not a closer? When I was a kid, the amount of books I didn't finish was like way too many. I think I read... Like 70% of Dr. Zhivago when I was in middle school and I didn't finish it. That is something that has been weighing on me, like the Dr. Zhivago book, for 20 years and I still haven't gone back. I'm definitely going to do like a confessional episode and list all of the things I haven't finished. But today, I'm going to reveal something that I have not finished and I'm literally on the last episode. And I'm nervous to share it because I feel like I'm going to get really judged. I haven't watched the final episode of Squid Games. I watched the entire thing and I just have not watched the last episode. I don't know why. I'm not a closer. Some of us are just built that way. So leave me alone. But it's not that it makes me happy. Do you know how stressed every time like, how stressed out I get every time I see the icon on Netflix for Squid Games. I'm just like, watch it, Deborah. Just watch it. I can't. I will skip over stressful emails and keep them in my inbox for weeks and have that anxiety sitting on my shoulder. But when I actually deal with it, it was so, I'm, I'm so much happier. I'm like, this was actually not that big of a deal. I just got it over with. And I just need to get It over with. I need to watch the last episode of Squid Games. I enjoyed it. It's not that I didn't like it. I really enjoyed it. I also like to delay heartbreak. So I'm a Brooklyn Nine-Nine mega fan. Ask me if I watched the final episode yet. I haven't. I actually just recently watched the final season because I didn't want to deal with saying goodbye to one of my all-time favorite feel-good shows. I have not finished the final season of Insecure because I don't want to say goodbye to Issa and Molly. So let me know if you're not a closer or if you have one show or one book or one podcast that you can't finish but you want to finish it for whatever reason but you just can't. Also, you may come here for my recommendations but I need yours let me know if you're listening to any interesting or weird podcasts. I need some recommendations. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this, please rate and review. I would appreciate it so much. Please connect with me on Instagram or you can email me at I thought I'd be rich by now at gmail.com. Thank you. Goodbye.